0: right, what's happening y'all? We're back week seven. We're going to talk some football, fantasy stuff. We have a good episode, packed episode. It's going to be some betting, some early picks, early leans from Scopa, myself. We're going to talk fantasy. What are certain players worth, you know, and we're going to start off with some recent news. I mean, before we get into that, I mean, like what's going on Scopa? How's your day going? Dude, my day's been good. Uh, I got a question for you though. Yeah, let's hear it. How old is too old to eat Uncrustables? Um, I mean, shit, like to eat on crustables. I don't know, man. I mean, dude, there's I no know, age. limit. I, I know. I know. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't think, I don't think there's an age requ- like, I don't think there's an age constraint on that. Like I know, I know grandparents who, who have those in, uh, in their freezers just, you know, chilling. Yeah. I remember whenever I'd go to my grandparents, they would always have some of those in the freezer. I mean, not necessarily for me, just, you know, it's a quick snack, but
1: yeah, dude, I'm it's, it's my, uh, it's my pre-workout food.
0: Like it's good carbs and like it fills me up enough to yeah, where I'm. Not
1: I was gonna social. say that's probably good for the gym. Yeah, and uh and a student caught me eating it today and was like, "Bro, you feel you eat Uncrustables? Isn't that like a child snack?" And I'm like, "Bro, what? I'm never too old for that shit, bro. Peanut butter jelly, no crust. That's so, bad.
0: No, I respect that. I respect that hustle. I mean, like, there are a lot of things that you know." I mean, I will say Lunchables is a little bit questionable. Like, like Lunchables are questionable. I I think you grow Mm. out of Lunchables when you're, like, 9 or 10 years old. Dude, no. My my girlfriend eats on, like, Lunchables like they're
1: fucking candy, bro. It's they fucking Ritz crackers and ham. Dude, I know.
0: I know. It's awful. Dude, come on. Doesn't make any sense. Dude, so I wanted to tell you about this. I told Rob about this. Rob's not going to be able to be with us today, but this – this is one of the funniest things that I think I've ever experienced in a classroom setting. Okay. So I'm in this philosophy class, right? Uh, it's this philosophy of mind class and uh, the the course content or the subject matter for the day was about like um, mind and matter and sort of like um, sentient beings and such. So she brings up like uh, our professor puts up on the, uh, on the projector, this like prose, um, like the, the, this writing by uh, some MIT student, right? And it's like a dialogue between two people. So she's reading one line and she just picks another student to read another one. And I swear to God, this is the most sus dialogue <laughs> I've ever heard. And I'm going to read this to you because I, I just think it was so funny. Like you could put yourself in the position of like a classroom full of about like 20 people, you know, uh, teacher and like professor and student going back and forth. You know what I'm saying? So I'm gonna tell you what the title is. Okay. It's about these aliens talking about human beings, right? From the perspective of the alien, obviously. It's an MIT writing called They're Made Out of Meat. Okay. <laughs> so, so let me let, let me give you it's it's a pretty long excerpt, but but let me let me read you at least some context, right? Finally, yes, they are indeed made out of meat and they've been trying to get in touch with us for almost a hundred of their years. So what does the meat have in mind? First, it wants us to talk. Then I imagine it wants us to explore the universe, contact other sentience, swap ideas and information, the usual. We're supposed to talk to meat? That's the idea. That's the message they're sending out by radio. Hello, anyone out there? Anyone home? That sort of thing. They actually do talk then. They use words, ideas, concepts? Oh yes, except they do it with meat. I thought you just told me they used radio. And then this thing, the professor starts reading this and I swear to God, the class just lost it, okay? I thought you just told me they use radio. They do, but what do you think is on the radio? Meat sounds. You know how when you slap or flap meat, and makes noise? <laughs> they talk by flapping their meat at each other. They can even sing by squirting air through their meat. <laughs> oh my God. Singing meat? This is altogether too much. So what do you advise? Bro. I'm telling you.
1: There's no way this man wasn't high
0: off his fucking ass when he wrote this shit. <laughs> like, I'm telling you, bro. Convincing. Watching the professor's face read these two, read this, right? And going back and forth in dialogue with another student and her realizing that it sounds sus as fuck is the funniest thing I've ever seen in class. The whole class is just dying laughing, right? And she's just yeah. like, I didn't know they said this, right? It's like, <laughs> and she's just cracking up, but regardless. Even the professor didn't read That's the thing. It's so sus, dude. It's like they communicate by flapping meat, bro oh my god well that, that, a that was a little, dude yeah but like that, that was a little short story I, I thought that was fucking hilarious um yeah. other than that like my week's been pretty hectic you know um a lot of stuff to do had a flag football game last night you know did my best Mitchell Trubisky impression but you know we cook we'll move yeah, forward dude, I heard you were Nathan Peterman I mean no I mean okay I mean potentially but like <laughs> I had more of like a Justin Fields stat line, I'd like to say, but it is what it is, bro. We cook next week, next Wednesday at eight. We'll be there. <laughs> it's the Hispanic Honor Society. We're there. Yeah. We're there. we're there. We're there. We're there. All right. So let's get into this, man. We got some breaking news. I mean, a couple, a couple hours before, you know, we're recording, we got some news coming out of the New York Jets organization. Elijah Moore. He wants a trade. He's not happy. He doesn't like his involvement in the offense. He was granted a personal day by Robert Sala. They had conversations. What those conversations entail, I assume, led to a trade request. What are our thoughts? How are we feeling?
1: Uh, I think it's interesting because, like last week, we were talking about how the Jets have like a really nice vibe to them, right? Like they may not, you know, they're three and two, and like they're a little bit of a fraudulent three and two, and the, to the extent that like we don't think they're that good, but it's like their vibes are good. Like, you got Sauce, you got, like, Williams, you know, like, the fucking cheese head after the game, like, that kind of stuff. And it's like, okay, they're headed in the right direction. Uh, This is an interesting, like, development for that narrative. You know what I mean? Um, And my question is, like, how much does this reflect on Zach Wilson versus Sala? Um, Because I think that it, like, you said this in a group chat when we were talking earlier. It's like uh, receivers who can't get, open are not pissed they're not getting the ball yeah. um and so i assume this is just like uh i don't know if this is an issue where it's like he's not reading the directly not looking his way or if it's like a scheme issue uh but either way um i think the jets are probably just not going to move him to be honest um because i think he's like right. too good to move if anything they will try to rectify the situation and just be like okay zach like look his way more or something like that yeah you know? um but I mean if i'm the jets i'm not moving him
0: like tough well like, well, that's the first th- those were the first uh reports out of out of camp where they're just like the jets are are not looking to move him at all uh, i think mm-hmm. that was also said inside of the ian Rappaport tweet it was just like they're not interested in moving him um yeah. but let's talk about let, let, let me ask you how do you feel about a um, lot from elijah moore's perspective what are you thinking well, I
1: mean, we've seen, like, his targets decrease this year, like, from last year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, normally, you see the opposite when you see a young red- wide receiver, like, presumably getting better over the years, especially when you've introduced, like, a top-five quarterback. It's like, yeah, we're supposed to be kind of slinging the ball around. But the thing is, like, even Zach Wilson's pass attempts last week were down, right? Um yeah. I think it was, like, eight through like 18. Yeah. Like, like but, I mean, it's hard to criticize it because it's, like, they're winning football games, right? Um, right. But I think like ultimately, and this is just something that has bothered me with like the way the Patriots treat Mac Jones too, or have treated him before this season. It's like, we need to know if Zach Wilson is him or not. Like that is the number one priority. Um, and so like, sure, the Jets could go, you know, like seven and nine or, or eight and nine, I guess, or like seven and 10, whatever. And like, that's a good season, I guess. But if by the end of that season, Zach Wilson is averaging like 16 to 18 pass attempts a game. And like, we don't know if he's actually going to be a quarterback to the future you've wasted a year. Right. So if I'm Salah, I'm like, okay, Elijah Moore is unhappy. We need to keep Elijah Moore happy because he's a good receiver. We also need to see if Zach Wilson is the guy we need to sling the ball all over the field, like open up the offense, um, stop treating Zach Wilson like he's Jimmy G and like figure out the quarterback position. Cause I think like pretty much everything else is in place for the jets at this point.
0: Right. So all, so I, I, I totally understand. we got to figure out if Zach Wilson's the guy first and foremost. Here's the issue, though, with that. I think that in the sample size that we've had of Zach Wilson's play, I think two weeks since he's been back, um, I think that on a week-to-week basis, you need to ride with whatever's working for your offense, right? Obviously, last week, the the flow of the game was quite slow. The Packers couldn't move the ball. Jets really couldn't move the ball. But we knew that they were running through Brees Hall um, that entire game, and it was working, right? I think that with that being said, um, maybe on a case by case basis, I can't really criticize the Jets scheming because obviously they weren't getting anything going through the air, right? Uh, I think that maybe throughout the season, if something doesn't change with the Jets passing volume, then yeah, we can make that claim. Yeah,
1: that's that's exactly my point, right? I, I think but, like you know having a one off game where it's like okay he threw eighteen passes because you know game script it kind of just worked out. Um, but I mean, like Joe Flacco was attempting like 45 passes a game and then Zach comes back and they're like, Oh, we're going to dial it down to like 18. And it's like, you know, that that may not continue, but it's definitely something to like look out for. Um,
0: yeah. yeah. So, so actually there are two things that I want to say about this. So first and foremost, Elijah Moore is an excellent NFL receiver. A lot of people don't really know that because he's been flying under the radar for the past two years, a little bit. Um, most of the buzz that he got in the offseason was from the fantasy football community, but not really from the film community, right? So so Elijah Moore on film is a top two receiver. Um, as I said in the group chat, receivers aren't upset that they're not getting targets if they're not open, right? Yeah. I think it's very clear and, and I guess frustrating for a wide receiver to be running routes, standing wide open to what could be a big play and not being looked at, right? And I think I can understand that from Elijah Moore's perspective. Now, whether or not this trade request is um, a little bit premature, I guess, is the question. However, I do want to talk about this second thing, right? And the second thing that I want to bring up is um, I think the buzz around this, especially on social media, is that The question is who the hell wants to request a trade off a four and two team, right? Like you're winning, uh, you're obviously beating high level opponents, right? I.e., the Green Bay Packers or what remains to be seen with the Green Bay Packers, right? Yeah, I'm not sure that's a high level team, but yeah. Here's the thing that I do want to, I want to give a take about, right? I'm not upset when players don't want to win or at least don't prioritize that. I'm not upset that Elijah Moore looks at the game and is like, yeah, we're four and two, but I still want out. The reason I'm not upset about this is that is because this isn't club sports. This isn't intramural sports, right? What this is, is this is a business. And at the very most, he has a priority, first and foremost, to the people around him, his family, his friends, and the people, and, and, and to himself to be not only a good receiver, but a great receiver. And in order to do that, it requires production. And he understands that. Getting a, produ- getting a contract as any player requires a history of being really good. You don't get that without targets, yes. right? So from a wide receiver's perspective, right, I would be a little bit more sussed out by this if he was getting maybe six, five targets, right? He's producing not anything crazy, but they're also winning, right? Because at that point, there's a middle ground, right? However, they're winning, but he's not getting looked at, Right. From well, elijah a perspective, man. i care about my stock what yeah. other teams think about and if i'm not going to be a consistent part of this offense i don't want to be involved in it i don't care if we're running or not
1: yeah i mean i don't I, it's a fair thing i understand what you're saying but the problem is like the way that you go about it right like if i'm elijah Moore, like i i can understand going to the coach and be like look i need more targets like we need to open up the passing offense etc to go and granted we don't know like if that conversation has happened already but there's well, i think i think there're conversation uh, i think um, so I, th-
0: I think that was the preliminary conversation he met with sala he was granted a personal day after the conversation about how he was upset about his usage in the offense and i think that they decided at the end of it that they would well, get
1: that it. was that was um like those two conversations happened like the same time is what right. is my point right um whereas like the second the, the latter like um implication of that conversation should not just be instantly okay i want out there right like I, like granted we don't know exactly what what sala said but um and i also think like if you're if you're elijah moore and the response is well we think you're a great receiver we just haven't been able to get you the ball yet um it seems like another reason that you would feel a little bit more secure um given the contract stuff because like you would think the jets would want to keep you around if they refuse
0: to like trade you right so sure. I, I understand what you're it's saying like, but, but, but i don't, don't... trust I think from an NFL and and from a PA perspective, the Players Association, uh, they don't trust that shit. All of that stuff is coach speak and it's organization speak because all I know is that these organizations are snakes. What's going to happen, and I 100% believe this, you could say whatever you want to Elijah Moore behind closed doors in that meeting about how great you think he is as a receiver. But when it comes time to get that contract renewed, right, and you haven't produced to the level that you're capable of, the Jets will very clearly look at you say we know your production is down other teams also know that we know you're a great receiver they don't but we have all the leverage so we're not going to give you a huge bag when you haven't been producing right and we know I mean, other teams won't either and i, I see mean, and 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 what i will say is that we've also seen sort of this type of disrespect from an organizational perspective towards players like lamar jackson and lamar jackson independently has been nothing but insane right he's been yeah. an incredible asset for their organization for the past four years into this season
1: well i think i just think the lamar jackson conversation is totally different um like i mean it, it is but i can agree but, that elijah moore is good but he's not lamar jackson right
0: no no, no um
1: but. yeah so i think uh, the other piece of big news that we had was um like potential rumors of chase claypool being moved potentially to the packers Yeah. Um, so I'm a little bit more high on Chase Claypool as a talent, I think, than the majority of people at the moment. Um, the way I see it is just, like, he's a big-body receiver. Um, he's a decent route runner. Uh, he's huge. He can go up for contested catches. Um, he's kind of like a power slot guy, the way that Pittsburgh uses him. Um, but I think that we saw his, like, big playability last year. Um, or was it two years ago? I guess it was the rookie year. Um, yeah. And so... I think he's a nice piece do I think I would give up like a ton for him no you know would I give him a huge contract if I signed him probably not but if I'm a team like the Packers that needs a receiver like period if if it's like you know do I roll the rest of the season with Alan Lazard or do I give up like I don't know like a fourth or something probably for Claypool um like what I mean what is Claypool's value gonna be I mean like I I can't imagine a team offering more than like a third for Claypool I, I wouldn't think right um
0: well I I would I would think that that's more so a reason why a deal won't be done as opposed to like well I think the the problem is for the
1: for the Steelers is that they always invest so heavily in receiver um and that team needs so much that like if I'm the Steelers I probably take a third round pick for Claypool um because you just re signed Deontay you drafted Pickens right and I get that you have um Pick it, and you want to surround him with weapons but you still got friar you still you have um naji you need to invest in the o-line you need to work on the defense a little bit i can understand like sacrificing a little bit of a depth piece especially when it's the way i view the pittsburgh um receiver room is the same way i view the patriots cornerback room like we develop this position better than anybody else we can replace you with like a fifth round receiver like we get a third for you we take another guy in like the fifth or sixth and like we're fine
0: yeah right? i just don't know what the return on investment would be for very clearly Chase Claypool basically just playing a Tyler Boyd role, you know, where it's like, OK, you're the wide receiver three. But like, is Tyler Boyd the one that's key to Joe Burrow's development? No, it's very clearly the additions of Jamar Chase yeah. and Higgins. I think we're seeing that with like George Pickens showing these flashes as well as Deontay Johnson being signed on a huge contract now. Or uh, I don't know if he was extended to a huge contract. I think he was extended, though. Um, but from the Packers perspective, here's what I want to say about that. Um, Yeah. It doesn't move the needle for me. Um, and maybe it's because, oh, I don't either. yeah, uh, m- maybe it's just that I don't think Claypool is as ridiculous of an asset as a lot of people do. Um, but I just think that this is a move that's like not really going to excite Aaron Rodgers. I don't think it's going to excite the, the Green Bay Packers organization. And I really don't think that it's going to be something to put them over the edge. Right. Uh, I think he'll be like a nice weapon to add. But I think, one, in, in fantasy football, I, I, I don't think he'll crack a wide receiver, too, at best. But second is that in real life, I just I just don't think that they have enough on offense and on defense. Oh,
1: I 100% agree about that. that.
0: I think, so, like, so why give up an asset? I mean, he is young enough. I get it. But for what you're going to need to give up to get Claypool, I don't think the Steelers move off of him for, like, a third round draft pick. I just don't think that's possible. I think the Steelers are probably higher on Claypool than anybody else because they drafted him, because they've seen him play. They're in practice with him. They're obviously going to demand a price that one. I don't think will get the deal done. But the Packers, at that point, in order to send something to get the deal done, it's not going to be worth it. Just pick. Like
1: I don't know, man. Like we saw, uh, like prime Brandon Cooks go for a second, right? Like,
0: like, like i like mean,
1: third round pick seems like a reasonable value. But even even besides that, I agree with you in terms of Green Bay. I think like Green Bay's cooked. But I just think that like they don't see it that way, right? So like. From their perspective, it's like, we need a receiver. Um, and because like, that's, that, that's been their main problem. It's just like their lack of offensive production because Rogers can't cook. Um, and oh. so it's like, I can, I can understand the move, even though I would probably like agree with you that it's like green Bay is way further than like a chase Claypool away from like being. Able oh yeah.
0: To, yeah. Right? For sure. And, and also like, we talk about it all the time that talent commands targets, like we obviously saw flashes the rookie year, right. But ever since then, like it's really been on and off type stuff. I don't think he's done anything to really move the Pittsburgh Steelers or to command a high target share. Um, And at that point, I I just think he's nothing more than like a a low end wide receiver, too, in both areas of the league. Right. Whether that be fantasy football and actual football. Um, Yeah, I think I think he's fine, but I don't know why this is a desperate move for the Packers. I think that we should talk about the next player, though. Okay, Uh,
1: next, we got CMC rumors being moved. I, I think from like a, a practical perspective this is just not gonna happen um yeah, so it's absolutely like, not. yeah you know whatever because the rumors are they want multiple firsts and like yep. respectfully <laughs> they're on crack because there's literally no chance you're giving up anything no. yeah. like that um for the contract you'd have to take back for like a 26 year old running back with his injury history like there's literally no chance um but i will say if i was carolina and i could get like a third round pick for him i'd probably take that because like what good is christian McCaffrey to me in a scenario where with- which, like, I'm literally the worst team in these 26 and, you know, on this huge contract and stuff. Um, but I could also understand the perspective that's like, you know, if we're going to draft a quarterback, we want to have like something in place for him. Uh, so I don't think I feel strongly either way about this. The only strong opinion that I have is that uh, it's not going to happen. Because right. of the mismatch
0: of like value and it just it just doesn't make sense. Right. So uh, I'll just group sort of Christian McCaffrey as well as DJ Moore into sort of this conversation. Uh because that whole art that whole point that you made about Christian McCaffrey being moved not being good for whatever rookie quarterback they draft is the reason why I don't think they should trade DJ Moore. And I don't think they will, right? They extended him from reason he's 25. His shelf life is quite long because he's a wide receiver who is also talented. Oh, yeah. Uh I don't think they should trade him. Uh Christian McCaffrey, on the other hand, um, so The reason I don't think that they should trade him is just because, like, I think that the return on value that he would have for their offense probably outweighs the potential of drafting someone. Um, I mean, like, even if you could get it, like, if you get a second round pick, I guess, to offload the contract, that would be very helpful for an influx of, like, a rebuild. Um, But, like, I don't know, for anything more than, like, like anything less than a second I don't think moves the needle just because I think Christian McCaffrey's shelf life is a lot longer than people may think like he was very clearly deemed like injury prone this past offseason as well as the offseason prior but I just don't think that's necessarily true right I think that if they just convert him to sort of like more of like a hybrid role kind of like you know playing slot receiver like the 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 man is going to play for a long time he's going to be very useful for a very long time instead of that offense like we see players like JD McKissick play until they're like 30 yeah. like a decently high level from for that and i think christian mccaffrey obviously has the skill sets to be excellent right um and if that's not running between the tackles i think that whatever he's doing will allow the rookie quarterback whoever they draft whether that be stroud young you know Levis, whoever it ends up being uh to develop and personally i think that's more valuable than getting like a third round pick for him even with the cap hit of like 19 19 and a half million over the next two years but yeah
1: yeah uh, I don't have super strong opinions, um, to be honest. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, uh, let's quickly talk about um some of these like broader NFL storylines. Um, yeah. there's a couple that I think uh are hot right now, but I also think we probably have like pretty converging views on these things. Um, yeah. the first team that we got to talk about is the Seahawks because I am loving the Seahawks right now. Um, and the reason why is not only because I think Russ is like the corniest corn ball that's ever existed um and like watching him fail and his prior team do amazing is just like so sexy dude but- this,
0: man, this man in a press conference said that he heals quickly because he has green <laughs> blood like dog you're two dude. and four bro you're bro, two- not only that isn't this guy like 40 like, well, he's like why, are talking about, why are you talking like you watch the vampire diaries or some shit bro like what bro, is this? dude he code switches at like he code switches insane, bro. Like he'll change his accent, and shit. Like over over a fucking TikTok, <laughs> it's literally insane. Like I, I I can't I can't understand that, bro. Um, uh, like th- this man Russell Wilson, dude. I don't know if this is just his personality. Like I guess it has to be, or like I don't know, man. It's, it's 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 difficult for me to believe that anybody can act like that as like a real human being. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like, we, it's like gotta be. Yeah, like we can we could talk about the Seahawks, obviously, because I know that's how you wanted to sort of start this conversation. But I mean, bro, the the shit that I'm hearing about like former players like Sherm and uh oh, yeah. and Marshawn Lynch talking about how they can't get a hold of him. They gotta get they gotta go through his manager to like actually talk to him. Like, I don't know how real that is, but like, dude. Yeah. Well, I mean, Denver's on
1: our list too. So we could start there considering we're slandering Russ because Denver is like I was told all off season. I know you and I were in lockstep on this. I was told all off season that like Judy is him because Russ is there. He's gonna elevate the whole offense. Like you know, they're gonna be a Super Bowl contender. And I was just never buying any of that shit, right? Because like you got a new head coach um, who apparently is just like the second corniest cornball that's ever existed um, behind Russ,
0: um, and is like giving like Russ the- has Wolverine blood. What does this guy have, dude? <laughs> what does Um, this guy have like god dude all i'm gonna say is that (laughs) all i'm gonna say is that if i if i run a uh if i run a a blood donation clinic bro i don't want nathaniel hackett stepping foot in it bro that's facts um he's got he's got that magic johnson blood bro Uh,
1: (laughs) but um, that's gotta be slanderous bro uh, i think between him and russ dude that denver organization is so cooked man like you you got you got Russ who's on a horrible contract considering twenty twenty nine bro. You've got Hackett who is definitely gonna be fired by the end of the season. You've got Javante Williams who's out for the rest of the season. Who knows what he's gonna look like when he comes back? Your defense is solid, but it's like you can't put up more than sixteen points a game. Like what? What
0: are we doing here, right? Dude, by the time Russ is out of his contract in twenty twenty nine. You're going to be 24, dude. Me? Yeah. You're going to be 24 by that <laughs> time, bro. Like, that's <laughs> insane. Like,
1: Man, that's actually nuts. Like, 20, 29, I'll literally be cooked. I'll be 31. I'll actually be cooked. Oh, um, but, but, like, yeah, dude. It's, it's a fucking disaster. And I'm so, like, I wish Rob was here because this man was telling me Jerry Judy
0: was the next Jerry Rice like for two years, and bro, he's, he's so Jerry. He was balling like, on the fucking elementary school playground, bro. Like I swear yeah. to God, this man was literally the paparazzi, like outside the little fence watching you <laughs> ride the swing sets, bro. I swear <laughs> to God, he was like, "Oh, look at that technique! Look, look at this man. He put he puts momentum into that." Like, bro, come on. Like, yeah. I, I, at one, my I, man runs I, a I ten yard ditch, and I'm just like creaming his pants. Dude, I, I, at some point, like, we got to say that some of these guys just aren't those guys. Like, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. But like, you know, I'm not like the hot or I was never the highest person ever on Amon Ross St. Brown. Like, like, I like, I think he's an excellent player, but at least from a fantasy perspective, right? This guy was like, what? A like, what, what round, pick? late round pick, like fourth, fifth round, something like that, right? Yeah. Um, so, something like that. Dude gets thrust into one of the worst situations in football, like at least preseason, to the Detroit Lions. Yeah, right? and just goes nuclear, right? Yeah. It's, it's very clear <laughs> that people with or players with like in an insanely overwhelming level of talent showcase it, right? And they command that. We're at the point where we're watching Jerry Judy play, and we're like, this guy is good. Like he hasn't he has a good skill set, but like he's not generational, like. I was being told his route running was generational for years like I I don't know me
1: crazy Juju Smith Schuster like
0: I I don't know I don't know man that's That's, what he is bro that's what he is I mean I mean like Juju had like a year of really good production like
1: yeah I know he's I, I agree like he's worse fantasy wise than Juju but I mean like in the NFL bro like he's Juju he's like an okay wide receiver two, ideally your wide receiver three. Like he's a big body who can like kind of run routes, but like I don't know. Yeah. Um, but but let's get into the Seahawks because there's about- the the Seahawks are looking good. Um, I I don't know if that's actually good for them. Um, two and, four. and it's going to depend on. Well, it look they they're looking much better than we thought preseason. I mean shit.
0: Like if I'm the Seahawks, um, I'd rather be O and six. Like no, I agree. That's what I'm like, saying.
1: Okay, yeah, I'm, you might win a Super Bowl. Like. Okay. Yeah, because, well, because, dude, the thing is, as much as everybody loves Geno Smith, this man's 32. Like, even if this is Geno Smith, right, it's like, okay, is your defense going to be good enough next season to win? Like, no, right? You can't rebuild an entire defense in one offseason, I don't think. So it's like, I still am looking at Bryce Young or uh, uh, CJ Stroud or whatever, like whatever quarterback I can get my hands on because this could be a fluke here from Geno Smith. I mean, we've seen fucking, like, uh, who's that dude with the beard who just uh, fits magic right we've seen fits magic have like roller coasters like this it's just yeah. I, he's he's been playing great don't get me wrong uh super happy about it because i love dk and i love ken walker so it's like I, I, i'm loving it but if i'm the seahawks i still want you know a top five pick if i can get it
0: um, yeah and i'm i think they're also very excited about Tariq Woolen. and like he's been excellent mm-hmm. on the outside literally been excellent um yeah their defense has been great um But this is exactly how you want to start it. Like, if you're going full rebuild, like, first of all, getting off Russ, I guess Pete Carroll's looking like a genius right now. Like, at very worst, at very worst, like, even if Russ does turn it around, right? Like, from a locker room perspective, man, like, like, I'm learning a lot. That man credit. Like, seriously, Pete Carroll, like, when do we say, you know what? Pete Carroll's a fucking genius because I'll give him credit when he could run, like, run an offense that doesn't just run the ball a million times a game. Like, nah, I mean, listen, like from, from a front office perspective, from front, from a front office perspective. Okay. Like I'll give him credit for that Russ move. Like, I guess I was fired. Right. What I will say though, is that like, at very least, this is a good culture move because I, I think he knew that Russ was not a good culture inside of the locker room. I'm not gonna lie. Like, I'm sure he's a great guy. Okay. Like, obviously like very nice, you know, like obviously, um, just a standout guy, but the dude that he is, I don't see guys like fully grown men, you know, like going to war for this guy. Like he's on a subway commercial talking about a danger witch that's not even spicy, bro. This shit's got banana peppers. Bro, you saw how this man like had like different costumes and stuff, like Halloween cut? Like, bro,
1: come on, man. Um, yeah, I, look, but yeah. He, he, we getting
0: he back was, to Russ. <laughs> we dude, getting it, back no, to Russ. Fuck yeah, I, I'm, like, done with the news, bro. I'm done with the news. Let's move on. Fuck this.
1: I'm out of here. All right, so uh, let's get into the next segment, which is what's that player worth? Um, and we're going to continue briefly the conversation because we just finished with this guy, uh, is Jerry Judy, right? So in the offseason, people were a- asking for like a first for him. Me personally, I don't know if I'd pay a second. I'm not going to lie. Um, give me like the potential of whatever guy I can draft in the second over Jerry Judy at this point. Um, his pr- his probably fair value, I would say, is the second. I just wouldn't pay it. What are you thoughts on that
0: uh so i think that if i have to pay a second even if it is random uh i'm perfectly fine paying it um because i know that he is a formidable wide receiver uh i don't think he's necessarily going to be electric right um it just ends up being the case that like a second round pick more often than not is just like underwhelming to be honest like let me ask you this like would you rather have Jerry Judy or would you rather have Jahan Dotson? Like, is it really that far off? Like e- either way. Dude, give me Jahan Dotson. Right. But I mean, if we just if we just went from like this draft, which we
1: would agree is probably like one of the worst drafts.
0: Well, well, actually, no. I think it's quite solid from a skill skill position per, like standpoint. Well, going into the draft, most people were like,
1: eh, this is not a great draft. It was right. fine, but like um, still. And it's like, give me Alec Pierce, Damian Pierce, Jahan Dotson.
0: Damian um, Pierce, I'll give you. Alec Pierce, absolutely not. I think I still take Judy no. 10 times out of 10 over Alec Pierce. I'm sorry. Like, I, I don't know, man. I think that's a little bit reactionary because I think that it's also a little bit weird to to have the take that Russ is just absolutely terrible. And then also be like, yeah, Jerry Judy sucks. Like, completely. I mean, dude, Judy's locked into Russ for like six years. Like, what do you mean? that's fine but like i also think that there is a potential that that gets figured out like i think judy's good i think judy is a better player than alec pierce like very clearly like, uh, like i like i don't i don't know how else you want me to, to to slice that cake but what i will say is that i think that taking a random gamble on a second um the upside of a second would literally be at best jerry judy like a lot of the time unless you're so you, on the top of the second. so you think he's worth more than a, like a first no, I don't think he's worth a first. I think I th- I would agree that he's worth like a high second. But again, like the whole point of this is that it's a lateral move, right? That's what he's worth. What I'd sell him yeah. for would not be a second, right? Um, but yeah, it's it the the assumption behind this sort of game that we're playing is that it has to be lateral, right? This is the I guess that's out. fair.
1: I I wouldn't. Yeah, I don't know if I would. Uh, I don't know if I
0: would pay or sell for a second. I I'm would need. I would so need so a. Uh, uh. So I would need two seconds. I believe. I think two seconds is a fair price. Uh, I still don't know if I'm selling for two seconds. I think I don't know if anyone would give you that, to be it, honest. To be honest, I don't think Jerry Judy is a sell, period. I think he's just a hold to see what happens. Um, yeah. I, I genuinely believe that um, people jump ship too early on these young wide receivers um, because something can change just like that, right? You have people like Cortland Sutton who are tearing their ACL and being out for an entire year, coming back at 26 years old. You know, after one promising season, uh, five years pass or uh, three years passes. I think this is his fourth year in the league. Um, and all of a sudden he's, he's back. Right. Like, and yeah. he's, he's producing. Uh, I think jumping ship on young, young receivers for lateral pick. Oh. is just not a, a great play.
1: example of that too, is like Mike Williams. Like his first four years, he was just like, absolutely, you know, worthless. And then exactly. you, you can get but, a much
0: easier understanding of running yeah. backs before then, because running backs are situationally placed based on well for every for every mike williams though you also have like a you know like uh some guy who just never does anything you know Um, i mean sure but like that's why i'd rather have a hold because like the odds that the dude turns into mike williams i just think is a much higher cost like that's there's a much higher return on investment as opposed to me jumping ship for a second because then i'm just stuck in the same process again
1: yeah
0: i guess um okay
1: for Superflex, we talked about this guy uh before the pod uh briefly but i think it's kind of interesting which is gino smith right yeah. so gino smith this year in Superflex has been uh crazy good obviously um before like last game i think but um quarterbacks are weird man like i i think you said before that he's probably worth like two seconds
0: i don't know if i would uh, do two seconds but like well i, I don't know i don't know if i like here. no okay so uh, i don't i don't say i i didn't say that he was worth two seconds um Where, where I wanted to go with that was that if I'm a contender, like I think players like Geno Smith are contingent, um, accumulations, right. I think you're going to, you're going to acquire those players in very specific circumstances for a team. For example, if you're a contender and you definitely need a quarterback, even if that's a like third string quarterback or somebody that you can plug and play, uh, on a week to week basis, whether that be for a bye week or not, um, I'm, I'm okay giving up like a late second for sure. Uh, I'm okay giving up a second, um, yeah. but 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 here's the thing. I don't think I'm okay giving up anything higher than a, a late second. The, the The reason why that's the case is because um, I I do think that the next two classes are are quite strong. Uh, Geno Smith is 32 and he has been playing well, which means that he's going to be a safe bridge quarterback. And he's a sell. He's a sell in my book. Um, of course, of course. If you don't need him. Like right now I have a league that I'm in where Gino Smith is quite literally my quarterback too right now, because I have Deshaun Watson on, on suspension. Right. I need him to keep me right. right now. I can't afford to sell him for a second. Right. Uh, I'm happy with the position that I'm in, but you know, at that point, like, you know, it is what it is. Um yeah. But I view Gen- I, I view Gino very similarly to how I view Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, He's going to be a bridge quarterback. Who's going to produce on a week to week basis. Uh, how much production that's going to be is, up to debate and up for discussion but if i could sell him and i don't need him for anything higher than a late second even a late second i'll do it yeah, sure yeah. Uh, i, I think i think the relative worth of him in a vacuum assuming you do not need him and he's just like a roster asset is probably just a high third probably just a third yeah yeah i agree yeah, that, that's um, yeah.
1: okay uh another guy that we have here is travis kelsey um, sure. The interesting with these players is, like, the age thing, right? It's, like, if Kelsey was, you know, not 32, it would be very easy to assess his value. Um, but when these players who are, like, elites, like, top five of their positions get to a certain age, it's, like, well, how much is one year of their production worth, right? I, I think – and that's where you get into um, the really contingent factors where it's, like, Travis Kelsey's not worth a first to a rebuilding team, obviously, Right he's not really worth anything to a rebuild team. To a contending team he's absolutely worth a first because like that guy can win you a championship like this year, right? Um and so I think if you're selling Travis Kelsey to a contending team, you could easily get a first back and that would be the starting point for me if I'm like selling Kelsey to a team that is um that is looking for a tight end
0: to actually like compete within the next, you know, year or two. Okay. So here's what I'm thinking about Travis Kelsey, right? Um, I think I'm okay giving up like a late first round pick for Travis Kelsey, assuming that I need a tight end for a championship run in the next couple of years. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously the concern that people have is what exactly does his age mean for his dynasty value, right? I think you touched up on on that a little bit. What I will say is that if we look at other all-time great tight ends, uh, namely Chiefs ones in particular, we could talk about Tony Gonzalez, right um tony gonzalez played i think till 37 and he was still having commanding about like 80 catches a game up until you know he he didn't really have a crazy number of like 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 over a thousand yard like receiving seasons but he was very consistently like 80 90 receptions like past 32 which is about where kelsey would be for the next like four seasons um which means that like i could see kelsey returning value for like a first like I, i could totally see that um, and if I could get him for like a high second, if I'm a rebuilding team, I'd still do it. Like, I, I think like, fuck it. I mean, fuck I, I can't imagine anybody selling him for that. Um, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I mean, it, it could, there could be a very niche situation where like, uh, a team is trying to blow it up and they're going to take whatever they can for him. And like, obviously anything's better than letting him rot on the bench. And if you're the only one making an offer for him, then it's like a high second, as opposed to like, you know, nobody wants to give up a first. I could see it possible to buy him for that. Um, yeah. Obviously, that's not exactly a situation that is relevant to a lot of people, but I think that it's fair to say that he is worth a late first round pick in either this year's class or next year's class. And by late, I guess I would define it as like eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, maybe. Yeah, um,
1: anything um, anything like that's not, that is guaranteed not top six. So like if if you think that your team is going to make the playoffs, basically,
0: like I do that. Right. All right. So we're, we're we're pretty we're pretty with it on that. So so how you so who's our are the next guy?
1: Um. So we got two options here. We can either talk about Jonathan Taylor because I think okay. that's kind of interesting, or we can talk about um, Nick Chubb because we had a discussion um earlier today about the dynasty like keep trade cut rankings for Nick Chubb and how absolutely right. bonkers they are. Like people are going nuts over Nick Chubb right now.
0: Yeah, I think that just goes to show how quickly the dynasty value or slash landscape changes really, really quickly. Um, I mean, I'll clarify that whenever whenever I make an evaluation on one of these players, whether it be Taylor or Chubb, um, I'm assuming randomness with these picks, okay? Um, if I want to get more particular with it, then we can, but yeah. Well, so, so here's, I,
1: the, here's the productive way to do this, I think, right? Which is you're never going to get a pick that's like guaranteed – in the top like four or a team that looks like they're going to be in the top four. Right. Because nobody is
0: going to trade for those players with that pick. Right. So you Uh, have to consider. Well, well, I would, I I would, I would be a little bit, you know, I I would hesitate a little bit there though, because obviously if you're acquiring an asset like a Jonathan Taylor, I think a lot of people would be very fond of giving you any pick if it's just one.
1: I don't think so. If, if I, if I am like, uh, if I'm a rebuilding team and I'm gonna have a guaranteed top four pick because my team is just that that bad and I can tell that like at this point in the season there's no way I'm gonna trade that for Jonathan Taylor right um because that means I've sacrificed I'm gonna get a higher pick because I've traded for Taylor it seems like irrational to do that unless you have enough assets to like totally reflip your roster in a year right for the for the majority of people it's going to be like I am close to competing, I'm a running back away, I need to trade for Taylor. And so you're getting a a five through 12 pick more so than you're getting a one through four. Now, like, that's not to say that if you were to get that five through 12, you would ask for more, obviously. But like, I I think as a general rule, that's probably true.
0: I think, uh, like, I personally think that if you're a rebuilding team and you have a top four pick, even if it's like the fourth overall pick, right? I totally think that even if you're rebuilding, a lot of people will sell their top four pick for Jonathan Taylor regardless. I think that that's just the type of prestige or at least name recognition that he gets, right? If I can
1: get a top four pick for Jonathan Taylor, like I'm doing that.
0: Are you doing that like just straight like period for any, like, any, any team? If it's a guaranteed top four pick in 2023 in Superflex, I'm probably just doing that. Okay. Um, I I'm going to be a little bit skeptical about like like if it's like the fourth, I age, obviously
1: think you like you might be able to get more than that, but like I I think I I think I might
0: do that. I'm Not gonna lie. Uh, I think definitively the only the only the only pick in that range that I would give up straight up for Jonathan Taylor, or uh the the only pick that I would take straight up is the one on one. Uh, I I would just take Bijan Robinson straight up over him. Um, yeah, and he goes to like, well, I don't even care where he goes to be honest. Like he's just that guy,
1: but like. Well, I mean you don't you don't think you could get more for like whoever the QB one is in this draft than you could for Jonathan Taylor in
0: Superflex. I mean like I mean dude like uh, I think I think you're overrating how how like how highly drafted in startups these quarterbacks are taken. Like obviously Bryce Young and CJ Stroud are like very clearly the top two blue chip quarterbacks coming out of this draft class. But do you think they're gonna be a first round pick in Superflex? Well,
1: but see, I think I think that's a bad way to look at it, though,
0: because people don't understand
1: value in startup drafts. Like, they are willing to give up a player sure, that they drafted sure. way earlier in a startup draft for like Penny Pickett sure. because they don't realize how what, how superflex works, for example. Sure,
0: but I like, but I also genuinely believe that like, um, there there is sharp money that goes into determining some of these ADPs. Like, on sleeper, maybe it's not ridiculously sharp, right? But what I will say is that. A lot of sharp leagues, it is what it is, man. Jonathan Taylor is a late first round pick this year. He'll probably be an early second round pick next year, right? It's very, very difficult for me to actually think that CJ Stroud and Bryce Young will be taking higher than him. Now, the next thing that I'll say that. Yeah. But the other thing that I'll say is that I think that the reason why that's the case is because everybody knows that the quarterback position is definitively the hardest position to evaluate in football from a prospect perspective right um yeah cj stroud is a better prospect than justin fields was um but obviously just because you're a highly drafted quarterback well justin fields flipped a little bit but because you're a highly drafted quarterback this doesn't really mean anything you have to watch the film you have to know exactly who you're drafting and even prospects that were considered generational at a time ended up being horrendous from the quarterback position. I think Johnny I mean, like, is being when it, is forgotten about a little bit. But
1: we've talked about this before, though. Like, when it comes time for draft season, these picks, like, people pay insane pr- – like, we watched Cooper Cup be traded straight up for, like, the 104, right? Like, like – I, I I still
0: think that's just a horrible trade. Like, that's just a horrible – Yeah. Trade.
1: Well, but that's kind of my point, though, is I think, like, your – I think part of the valuation of these trades is like how much these picks values are going to increase. And so I definitely think you can get more than one first for Jonathan Taylor. Like if I'm
0: trading Jonathan Taylor, I'm looking for two firsts, like, right. I'm just saying, um, uh, I just don't think it's enough to say top four pick means I'm selling off Jonathan Taylor. I think the only one that I know for certain I'm selling him off for is the one one. That's it. Okay. I mean, I think that's reasonable, but like, what do you think his like actual value is like two firsts? I think that if we're talking just so 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 assuming just complete randomness, like we're actually just gonna click a wheel a couple times. Yeah, sure. sure. I'd say two. I think two is fair. Um, Yeah. And and that's class specific, obviously. So like twenty twenty three, I think that's a fair evaluation. Um, Two firsts. Um, Okay. Yeah. um, And
1: we were talking about also Nick Chubb because I I want you to go through that list we were talking about earlier about what so. On Keep Trade Cut, it keeps like an updated uh, sort of ranking system of how people value these players. Um, and you gave me some names earlier uh, that are behind him currently on valuations uh, in Dynasty for Keep
0: Trade Cut that I think are insane. So if you want to go through that list. Yeah. So I'll, I'll go through some notable ones. I mean, players that are less valuable in a super flex format, uh, according to market value on Keep Trade Cut, we're looking at Kyle Pitts. Debo Samuel, Chris Olave, Metcalf, Deshaun Watson, uh, notably Michael Pittman, Devontae Smith, Dak Prescott. Um, well, phew. to clarify, that's not super flex, right? It it is super flex. Oh, this it is. is. Okay. It's, okay. It's, wait, we wait. Dak super flex, Dak Prescott and yes. Deshaun, and Deshaun Watson. Low? And Deshaun Watson right now market value is lower than Nick Chubb. Dude, whatever league these things are based on, I need to be in them because that is literally insane. It's nuts. That's actually bananas. I, I, I just don't understand what the, uh, what, what, what the reason for that is. Um, especially because we have learned absolutely nothing new about Nick Chubb. Nothing. Like literally nothing. The only thing that has changed from last year and the years prior to this is that he is a year older. That is it. It's, well,
1: here's the thing about that. That That's that's not even the point, I I don't think. You're looking at a 26-year-old running back. What's the difference between him and, like, Derrick Henry? Like, in terms of dynasty?
0: Like I mean, two years. Like, Derrick Henry's 28. Yeah, I mean, I guess. Yeah. And, I, and, I and also, Derrick Henry, uh, the offense is, like, pretty shot. Like, the scheme's, like, pretty shot. I mean, like, Vrabel's a great coach. I I, I, I don't know, like... I think, well, I think that, that that's, you're, you definitely are raising a good point there though, where it's like, um, this guy is replaceable. Like well, for a telling
1: years. me I was, I was trading for 21 year old Nick Chubb. We'd have an entirely different conversation, but it's like,
0: bro, this guy is 26 years old. Like dude, if you were trading for a 21 year old Nick Chubb, knowing his entire career arc, you might get as high as Kenneth Walker. Who's at 24 right now. And <laughs> Chubb is 20, 28. So you're telling me that's five years, you know, like, like, look, look, Jonathan Taylor has had a more productive season than any season that Nick Chubb has ever had. Right. Mm -hmm. Jonathan Taylor is three years younger than him. Right. And Jonathan Taylor right now has dropped to dynasty RB two and is only the 10th overall player. And then one, one player after him, Number eleven is Saquon Barkley, and then Nick Chubb at twenty-eight. So you're telling me that that is the range of outcomes. If anything, I'm looking at this list and I'm like, you're telling me dynasty value changes like that because last year you, you could get Nick Chubb for like a second. Yeah, you you could get you could get it for like a high second.
1: I mean, listen, a high second, if, low first. I I think we both agree on this. The conclusion is just like trade Nick Chubb in dynasty if you have them because like what yeah. the fuck <laughs> I'm yeah. taking like almost
0: every single player that you listed there over Nick Chubb there, there is just no justification there is no new information that went in to this rise like you know what i I think he created cut has a really good uh has a really good chart that 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 charts this okay so he here we go here we go this is kind of funny all right uh September 13th okay or September 12th right? He was the running back 15 in positional rank, okay? October 13th, he was the running back five, (laughs) okay? Next, his value is, is and and as of right now, he's the running back seven. And that changed from October 16th to October 20th. So he dropped two position ranks in running back because of one game. That's so lit box score, bro. It's so but you not. see, the funny part is, is that this one game is the exact thing that everybody knew Nick Chubb was. What information is new? He's still splitting 50% of snaps, right? He's an efficient running back behind a good O-line in a run-heavy offense. That has been his career for the past three years, at least. So you think yeah, he scored a bunch of touchdowns and was even more efficient than he's ever been is a reason why we should just elevate this man and running back five? That's nuts. Over yeah. Kyle Pitts,
1: insanity. Yeah, Kyle here. Slander is crazy. That's um, here. Do we do we have another player that we want to talk about? Um, I don't think so. I think that covers most of the ones for this week. Um, we can uh, start transitioning over to the betting lines. Let's I will it. say, okay. So here is the thing. Quick backstory about this: yeah. I've recently become a degenerate. Okay. Okay. Um, right. And so I am just like getting sort of dipping my toes into this like sports betting thing, um, but I will say last week into this week i've been crazy hot like i don't know i mean i don't really know exactly what i'm doing it's just like oh like i have a i'm le gut. i'm like oh this seems like this line is that's
0: how of it hard. works though like, like you're, you're new to the, and, game, you're gonna hit you're new to the game you're gonna hit it happens, and last know. week bro we have it recorded i was like bro
1: jets plus seven i'm telling you it's a lock right and i sat here and i was like dude you know what i think the jets are gonna beat the packers sure enough the jets beat the fucking packers and this week um And and I was, I was crazy good on like like four NBA games too. I had four NBA vets and all those cash, but this week is way, I have much less of strong opinions on a lot of these games than last week. I think last week's lines were really good this week lines. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of a lot of them, but I will say there's a couple. Um, And so what we're going to do is basically uh, the two of us are going to go back and forth. We're each going to pick a line. Okay. Uh, And we're going to each pick three. And we're gonna keep track of our records. Okay, so unfortunately Rob is gonna miss out on this one, but um, we're gonna each pick three lines that we like um, and we're gonna do it draft style. So if you want the first pick, but I kind of want the first pick this time. Um, and then at the end, what we're gonna do is we're going to do a, a parlay, a podcast parlay. So we'll each pick a team to include in the parlay um, and we'll we'll try to craft one. Um, and then we'll keep track of the podcast record too. Uh, we could do, and, and what we decided was we can either do uh, the spread Or we could do the money line, but we can only use the money line if it's an underdog. Because obviously, like, you're not going to pick some massive favorite and bet on that, right? Um, So my first line of the week is Lions plus seven and a half. I have the same feeling about this line that I did last week about the Jets. And I might bet my house on it. Like, I'm just, like, so confident that the Lions, coming off of a bye week with Dan Campbell, who I trust as, like, a motivational, like, you know, solid coach... um, Bringing back Amon Ross St. Brown, bringing back DeAndre Swift, um, against Dak in his first game back, and man, I'm just I'm just loving this this Lions plus seven and a half, um, and so that's that's my first
0: pick. I respect the play, um, yeah, I think that seven seven points or seven and a half points is. A little bit weird for, for a Lions team that usually easy. is always in it. It's, it's usually you know what it is? It's easy. Cowboys. It's the Cowboys. That's why. Everybody
1: gets hype about the Cowboys. It's like, oh, the Cowboys with Cooper Rush were like mid. They beat a bunch of mid teams. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, that means they must be Super Bowl contenders. And it's like, well, maybe,
0: but also. You know, I, think, I think that there's only one very particular thing that you got to think about when when evaluating the spread, though. And it's how the defenses fare out, right? So it's like – um. I think that the Dallas Cowboys uh, could very easily hold this line's offense to like literally like 300 total yards. Like, right. Oh. Um, I-, I think that that's totally possible. Um, I think that or 300, 200 total yards, uh, maybe 300, is a little bit high, but like, I see it a little differently do that, though. Right. Um, I think that I think Jared Goff is a good quarterback. Like, well, by good, I mean like he's fine. He's a game manager he's going to be replaced eventually. Like he's been fine this year, right? I don't know how he's going to respond to Micah Parsons.
1: Well, here's the thing about that. I think Detroit has a, has a very good offensive line, better than anyone that the Cowboys have played so far this year. If there's a team that's going to do a decent job of, uh, you know, slowing down Micah Parsons, I think Detroit is it. And I also think that they rely a lot on quick passes, getting it to playmakers, dumping it off to Swift, et cetera, to the point where I'm a little bit less worried about Micah Parsons' impact. Not to say that, obviously, he's not amazing, but I think this is just – this seems like a trap game almost for the Cowboys, where everyone's going to be on the Cowboys. Um, And, in fact, I think it's like 57% of the public are on the the Cowboys to cover. Um, And I think it's just – it's a Lions Lions game for me. All right. What about your pick?
0: So I'm going to give you a little bit of a curveball. All right, so the pick that I have like an early lean on is Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Carolina Panthers under 40. Um, So what I'm thinking is that I know that the Carolina Panthers are terrible. I know that they're absolutely horrendous and I know that they're not going to move the ball against this Bucs defense, right? They haven't been able to move the ball against anybody all year. Just literally horrendous, right? PJ Walker's in to start. I think that he, he didn't throw a single pass over the line of scrimmage last game. Not a single pass. Like over the line of scrimmage, mm-hmm. it, it was nuts, right? It was absolutely nuts. Yeah. Um, they're not going to score. Dude, they might as well have had CMC at quarterback. Like, do I think? Do I think that the Bucks are going to score forty points? No, <laughs> I think that the Bucks' offense has been playing down to opponents. They haven't been moving the ball very well. Uh, I don't know what's going on with Brady. He's been playing decent, like, but he. I think he's only had one pick this year, but. I their offense has not looked nearly as explosive under Todd Bowles as it has as in Bruce Arians. It's been very slow-paced, tempo, haven't been able to finish drives, a lot of field goals. Uh, mm-hmm. Red zone efficiency is down, um, or at least from what I've seen. I don't really know the exact numbers on that. I think red, red zone efficiency is down. Uh, but yeah, like I'm watching the Bucks play, and like they're not moving me. Their offense is slow. Um, I think that this is going to be a game that definitely sails under. I, I, I think that that's the play. That isn't
1: underrated. I think that's an underrated um, storyline about Bruce Arians being pushed out by Tom Brady, which is uh, he was kind of the uh, a big part of designing that offense, and Mm -hmm. so maybe there's some element there of like you know not having the same play caller um, that slowed them down a little bit. I expect them to bounce back, but I do like the call there on the under. Um, My next pick is going to be uh, Chiefs minus two and a half against the Niners. Um, I think that. This is a classic Patrick Mahomes like come like bounce back game, right? He had two bad picks uh against the the Bills uncharacteristically. Um and I think that the Niners are a little bit banged up. Um I think that Jimmy G uh you, you know, the Chiefs defense looked pretty solid last week. I just think like even if uh, the Niners have a pretty effective offense in the run game and, you know, the, the the dump offs and, you know, how they run their offense. I just think the Chiefs are going to like score, you know, 30 plus. Um, and so I think, can I, do I think, do I think that Jimmy G can keep up with Pat Mahomes in this game? I don't. And so I think minus two and a half is a great line uh, because you're basically just betting the money line for the Chiefs, really uh, the way I see it, because it's like, they're going to, if they win, it's going to be by at least a field goal. So I think, I think it's a classic, you know, Patrick Mahomes game and they just kind of like I I would expect them to win by a touchdown at least but
0: uh which means I love this this Chiefs minus two and a half sounds good sounds good um for my next pick I I think that it's time to just blind faith blind trust uh I'm going Packers minus four and a half um I am not sold on the Washington Commanders uh they got Taylor Heineke coming in uh it's it, it's it's not it's not going to happen um rogers isn't losing this game uh a four and a half point spread is manageable against a, a bad football team this is a bad yeah. football team i dude I, all I, of the it, logic tells me that uh that you're right right like if i'm wrong i'm wrong but it's a bet that i'm yeah. willing to ride it's a bet i'm willing to ride
1: if there's a team that the packers can blow out it's it's the commanders so yeah um, i don't hate it but I also was, like, low-key considering Commanders plus four and a half because I just don't trust Rodgers in that offense right now, but I, I can't hate to take. Um, my uh, my last one is going to be Falcons plus six. I think that the Fal- the Falcons have been 5-0 and oh against the spread this year. Um, they've been sneaky good um, in terms of, like, being competitive, even if they haven't won a lot of games. Uh, and I think that part of the reason for that is because of their run heavy the offense uh, they just drain the clock man it's like such a short game when you play against the Falcons um, and so I think that you know Burrow hasn't Burrow and that offense haven't been electric through five weeks I would expect that to sort of continue and I also think a huge factor in this is just like the Falcons keeping the Bengals offense off the field just you know uh, making it a really short game so I think I, I'm liking uh, the Falcons plus six I so I mean there's got to be a certain point where they don't cover the spread but yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna ride with it.
0: Yeah, uh, obviously you can you can look at that. You can inductively say, all right, they're five and zero against the spread. We respect it, um, or at least a six six and zero. Is it six and zero? Uh, however many weeks we've had, I don't know. Yeah, uh,
1: five weeks or six weeks.
0: Yeah, because yeah. we're going into week seven. Yeah. Here's my issue: the Bengals. You don't know what team you're getting on any given night. You just don't. You just don't. Uh, you're either getting a really slow first half start, or you're getting a team that comes out guns blazing. Right. Um with that information alone, it's enough for me to stay away from point spread bets, especially with the Cincinnati Bengals, because there's a lot of backdoor covering that comes with that game. Right. With with all Bengals games, it happens. The other thing I want to say is I am not convinced, and I genuinely think that this Atlanta Falcons team is not good. They're not good. Right. They've they've played well. Right, they played Mm -hmm. enough to be 500, but they are not a good football team. Right, I know that for a fact, and I'm not sold on Arthur Smith. I don't think that the culture that he's brought to the organization is anything that moves me. I don't think he's going to survive for the next couple years. I know for a fact that if the Bengals come out guns blazing and they get out to a 14 nothing lead, this spread changes instantly, and we're all like, "How the fuck was a six and a half?" And personally. I'm not willing to bet on the Atlanta Falcons, man. I think we've learned this from the Super Bowl. Falcons, whenever you bet on them, they're gonna let you down. If you,
1: yeah, but if you had said that the past five weeks, you'd be wrong, brother.
0: Yeah, but but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Nobody's gonna look at the Falcons for the first five weeks or first six weeks, however long it's been, and say, "Yeah, I'm betting on the Falcons." Right. So you're not going to. But the second you place that bet on the Falcons, they're letting you down. And I promise you, the Cincinnati Bengals are the team that they're going to let you down against.
1: Well, here's the thing. I was debating between um, Falcons plus six and Jets money line um, because I think the Jets beat the Broncos. But um, I I, I like the spread. I I like that it's going to be a short game. I think AJ Terrell can do a good job on at least one of those receivers. Um, I think it'll be a close game. What about your
0: last one? All right. I I like this pick. Um, okay. I think that this is a, a good take me home piece. It's going to be the Chicago Bears New England Patriots under thirty nine and a half. The Bears have looked horrible. The Bears have looked horrible. Um, their O line is made of paper mache. Um, Belichick is going to bring some stuff. It's oh, yeah. he, he's going to scheme some shit. Fields is going to have a rough night. Fields is going to have a rough. Night. This is a this is a Monday night game in Foxborough. Um, judon's gonna go ape shit like he he he's gonna go off right um i do not think that this game is gonna have scoring it if anything i i've heard that mac jones is going to be back or at least active i don't know if he's gonna get the start but i know how the you patriots know. like to move the ball here here the i don't care who the quarterback is <laughs> it, it doesn't matter no, it doesn't matter. That that was just that was just something I am gonna throw in, but yeah. there are two things that make me think that this is an easy under bet for me. One is how both teams play. The Chicago Bears, I think, have a temp. Or I think, I think Justin Fields has completed as many passes total in the season as Cooper Cup has receptions. Okay, <laughs> which is nuts, right? They don't throw. Okay, they do not throw, which means a lot of chewing clock. How do the Patriots run their offense? Lots of chewing clock. I don't think the Bears will look good against the commanders. They put up, what, 10 points, 7 points, something like that, right? Commanders don't move me. Yeah, Patriots are going to give them hell. And the only way that I don't think that this the the way that I think this sails over is if the Patriots just score all the points. Yeah.
1: No, I think i'm i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do a parlay for myself this week and i'm 100 including the patriots i have literally zero doubt in my mind that the patriots uh win this game like um now obviously that doesn't tell you much in terms of over under but um but yeah I, I like the analysis there um okay so now we have our our three bets what about our parlay so we were gonna do a three teamer because we we're expecting rob but since rob's not here we could just do a two teamer yeah. um well, I already said my pick. I think Patriots money line. Um, And then we go with some other, you know, money line. Uh, unless we, unless yours is also like a super heavy favorite, right? Maybe we like look at a different team because the Patriots are like plus like 500 or something like that.
0: Um, a little bit crazy. No, uh, the Patriots, the Patriots are minus 375. So it's not anything crazy. Or yeah, minus. Yeah. Oh, okay. So here's what I'm thinking. Okay. Um, I think that this is a week where we can feel very confident. Um, well, so so you want so so it's a three-teamer, all money lines. Um, you're putting in the Patriots, right? That's- yeah. Okay. I don't see a situation where the Baltimore Ravens lose on Sunday. Mm, um, they are at home. Against the Cleveland Browns, um, they're coming off a couple tough losses. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, I, they're they're only favored by six and a half. They're they're favored by six and a half on the point spread, but their money line is two seventy five. I like it. I I don't see where if they if they lose if they lose I'll eat that man. If the yeah. two or four Cleveland Browns led by Jacoby Brissett are going to beat Lamar Jackson, I'm, I'll take it. I'll live with it, but I don't see a scenario where they come in. To, Bateman's also back. week. Yeah. I, I don't see a situation where they come into Baltimore. Well, here's the thing. Mark Andrews is also questionable for the game. I don't think he's going to play. Um, I don't think Mark Andrews is going to play, mm-hmm. but I don't care. I think this is a, this is something, this might be a bet that we place after Mark Andrews is ruled out, but Ravens money line. I'm sorry, I'm not, the Browns aren't winning this game. Okay, and then
1: um, do you have like any other, like I would say- I, I, I do, I think- but you're not going to like it. What are you going to say?
0: Arizona Cardinals money line tonight.
1: Bro, there's no shot I'm including that in a parlay. This game is a coin flip. Um, it's not. They got, the The teams that I like are the Chiefs money line. Um, I think the Jets are a little sketchy to include in a parlay. Um, I think are you, are you sure you don't want to roll Green Bay Packers money line? Dude, yes. I dude, the Packers, I cannot bet on the fucking Packers, dude. Like these past two weeks or three weeks, four weeks at this point, like they just looked terrible. I wouldn't be shocked. Like, I would not be shocked if Taylor Heineke pulls out some magic, bro. I really wouldn't.
0: Oh wait, the Seahawks are three and three. I remember I said earlier they were two and four. I guess yeah, uh, yeah, they did win last week. I'm confident in Chiefs' money line. I like the Chiefs' money line. Me too. Uh, If I'm making a three-teamer, I'm liking Ravens' money line. Patriots' money line is fair. The other money line that I'm looking at is the Raiders. Looking at Las Vegas Raiders' money line. Yeah. You know what? I kind of
1: like that, too, because the Raiders are desperate at this point. Like, there's no way they lose to the fucking
0: Texans, right? Like, At At home. Yeah. Yeah. So so how do, how do we feel about that? Um, Ravens' money line, uh, Patriots' money line, Raiders' money line. That should probably be about even odds. I'm not going to lie. It's probably about even odds. Um,
1: I don't know, because I think I did Patriots and Chiefs earlier, and it was like plus 200, I think. So I don't think it's going to be even money, but we could definitely check it out.
0: All right. Are we locking that in? Is that what we're feeling for, for the three-teamer?
1: Yeah, I think we can lock that in. Um, I mean, I would feel very comfortable including the Chiefs in place of any of these teams, but I think, like, this is fine, too. Um,
0: if you're straight betting the Chiefs spread, I don't think it's wise to put also in the money line. Yeah, that's true. That's true.
1: Yeah, so we'll see. We'll keep track of these Um, and see... Uh. You know how well we do over the course of the season. I, I wish we had started last week because I went three for three on my on my uh, spread bets, but you know it is what it is.
0: Um, it is yeah. what it is, man. But I mean, yeah, we'll see what happens. I'm excited for this week of football. Um, looking forward to it, man. Uh, we'll be back next week. All right, until next week.